This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast with Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez, presently hosted on LineDancerRadio.com, which can be found at LineDancer-Radio.com, where we are very happy to be part of the DJ crew. Today we will be resuming a list that we had set down somewhere and forgotten to pick back up. And it's from conversationstartersworld.com slash good questions to ask. This is 350 good questions to ask by C.B. Daniels. We last left off at number 145. That was the one we most recently completed and aired on August 2nd of last year. It is now March. <laughs> so, without further ado, number 146. As all of these pertain to uh, line dance somehow, what are some clever examples of misdirection you've seen? That is an excellent question, and I don't know if I can think of anything off the top of my head. I think I would probably go with some kind of visual comedy, must be some visual comedy, that Roy, possibly Roy and Fiona have done. And if it were them together, it may have been during one of their performances, like when they're the old man and old woman. And, for example, like the, the well, it's not really misdirection exactly, but during the part of their skit where Roy jumps down into the splits and you hear this tear and you think, oh no, he's going he's gonna to scream or you know, it's, it's all going to be awful... His voice gets pinched, and he says, "It's me, it's world," and you wouldn't expect that. It's it's excellent, excellent humor, I think. And um, it, it, with the misdirection aspect here, you know, you're expecting one thing, and it turns out to be something else. Uh, otherwise, in line dance, maybe it would be when you're expecting a certain thing to be acted out in the dance based on the lyrics, and then somebody finds a different spin on it. Uh, in this you know, case, maybe they say something about, you know, you've got me spinning round and round or whatever. So you think, okay, the people are going to be spinning round and round. And then the person just stands there and like watches birds fly around in circles in the air without moving their body or something like that. You know, that, that could be something uh, that would be an example of misdirection as well. What, what was your thought? You had a thought. Well, it's not exactly misdirection, but if you're playing on the idea of like you're expecting one thing and then something else happens instead, I'm going to mention Rachel and her ability to break patterns. So like, for instance, you'll point right, point left, point right, thinking you're going to point left, but no, this time you're going to do a crossing shuffle or something crazy like that. Um, she is really good at breaking that pattern, but it's still making sense. Even though you're expecting to do something if in equal symmetry, um, she's really, really good at changing it up and still keeping it fresh. I would also, since you mentioned Rachel, uh, I think I would also want to mention Whip It. For the many times that we've seen uh, bounce... Uh, like a basketball and you know you've seen people dribble you've seen people shoot you've seen people dunk occasionally you'll see somebody do something completely different just because at this point it's been danced so many times you got to find something else so um that that i i would say is an example of misdirection 
maybe Shane would be guilty of something like that if we were to see him in any videos of the of that being danced online. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Okay, this isn't really misdirection. Just super stretchy now, but I'm just having this visual of... Oh, actually, it kind of is. So normally when you see the dance, I don't mind, and you see you know guys playing around on the floor, uh, and they're doing the thing about you know dance on a pole... You know, of course, in in the actual steps, it's just dancing on a pole that's in the air. And then if it's a you know a couple of guys goofing around, maybe they'll like use each other as the pole. But what I did not expect, and I don't think Georgina expected either, was at Florida Line Dance Classic when uh, Fred and Shane used her as the pole. <laughs> and I think they just kind of sprung that on her. Um, so that that was fun, and I I would not have expected that. I would have thought that they were going in a different direction with that. All right, number one forty seven. What's your funniest story involving a car? Ooh, interesting. Car car stories and line dance. You have a thought? I'm thinking it's not really like it's hard to ex- explain like uh car stories because obviously like we've traveled a lot in our car to and from different line dance events. We definitely have a tradition of recording podcasts in the car. Um, so, you know, like cars are very relevant to us and line dance, but I think the most fun I've ever had when it comes to a car and IE a line dance event was two years ago, Florida line dance classic, uh, John Lieberman, yourself, me, as well as John, Robinson all went to get food. I think it was IHOP. So where we ended up going? I think it was IHOP. And it was just a very interesting experience. Lots of jokes that we were laughing about in the back of the car. And, you know, just because there's no seatbelts and I think there was a tarp down. So we're like, how did we young kids willingly get into this weirdo's car? And like, there was just this whole thing running joke that we were doing. So I think that would be probably my best favorite memory that would also be the funniest, but I don't really have a story to tell from it. Yeah, I don't have a story about mine either, but I was just thinking about the many variations on the vroom, vroom, vroom part in uh, Lonely Drum. Because I think the first time I ever saw someone do something with that, it was Maddie and she was using an air steering wheel. And since then, I've gone like gas pedals and like a little Shriner car and just total motorcycle like in power mix. Because, again, you do this dance so many times over the course of, you know, a year and a half, two years or however long it's been. you got to find something different to, to throw in that little car slot. Um, so, yeah, nothing specific that I can point to as being a story. But I definitely enjoy playing with that car uh, related portion of choreography. There might be others as well that I'll have to mention in future episodes as they arise. Number 148, what would be the clickbait titles of some popular movies? Hmm. What was one that you just saw recently? How to Train Your Dragon? So let's see. I guess if we're going to go strictly with the movie you know, example just because it's in the question. Uh, let's see. You'll never guess what happened to these dragons. Number nine will break your heart or something like that. I was thinking more along the lines of, and it's hard because like titles, titles is tricky for me. 
because like naming things and coming up with things is definitely a, a challenge for me because um, I want it to be clever and I want it to be fun and funny or whatever. But I am a sucker. Anytime a video comes up and I see Rachel or Roy in the video, I have to click it and watch. So I think just simply something with the name Roy or or Rachel, and I'll probably click it when it comes to line dance. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if it's like clickbait and I don't know who's in it and I'm just basing it off the title, then maybe something slightly provocative like, uh, dot, 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 I guess that's one way of dancing, have fun, go mad. And then I've got, I've got to see what they're talking about. Like, uh, never would have thought of this song switch. Or, you know, they're using every part of the floor, and I mean every part. And then it'll, like, you know, maybe be them on tables or something. I guess those those would make me interested in clicking. Maybe something about, like, late night at it again. Yeah. Number 149. If you built a themed hotel, what would the theme be, and what would the rooms look like? Line dance theme is one place I'd start. Well, definitely line dance. And I would probably actually try and make each floor a different choreographer. And then like each room be themed off of one of their dances and the songs that they chose. I think that could be really interesting. I like the ambition of your multiple floors. I was thinking (laughs) of just like an all Rachel hotel with all of her dances in each room. But yeah, I mean, you could go with multiple choreographers on multiple floors. That would make sense. Well, you know, you got to share the love. And although we all love Rachel, I definitely think that, you know, everybody has something to contribute. It could also be interesting to have every room be a previous theme from that event. Like Big Bang has had, you know, a, a finite number of events that they've hosted and that would be manageable in multiple rooms and people could even save their outfits from the previous events. For longer-running events like Vegas, where there are multiple themes per year, that might be more difficult. Uh, but uh, I think, yeah, honoring the past themes could be could be another way to do that. Any other thoughts on this? No, not yet. Okie dokie, number 150. What scientific discovery would change the course of humanity overnight if it were discovered? Searching for dances by video, like what is this dance? Or can I just dance eight counts of this? Oh yeah, it's this one. I would, I would love to see that. You're so much nicer. I'm like freaking Doctor Horrible over here, thinking about like dissecting Roy's brain or Rachel's brain or something like that to figure out how it works and how they're able to hear the music the way they do it or see it the way they do, so that then we could maybe all be able to choreograph amazing dances like them. See, I'm just going to stick with mine, but I, I, I appreciate your uh, your curiosity about, like, for example, the way Roy has said that he sees the the music and colors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think on Kick It, I was trying to find a, a version of Hicktown that somebody was dancing. Debbie Patton posted a video of what she called Hicktown, and somebody said, what is the name of this dance? She said, I don't know. It was taught, you know, however long ago. And I was able to catch a full wall of it. I know how many counts are in it. I know how many walls there are. And I can describe all of the steps. There aren't any weird steps that don't have a description. 
but there is not currently a way to type out all of the steps in that dance and reverse search to find the name. Because it probably isn't Hicktown, as we've discovered with you know various other dances like uh, Turbo Twang and uh, what was the other one? Turbo Twang was definitely one of them where some people call it Hicktown, some people call it Burn It to the Ground. Uh, if there were a way to search by video or by typed-in steps and get whatever that dance really is, I think that would be life-changing for the line dance community. You'd have fewer mutations, I think, maybe. Uh, Number 151. Do you think that humans will ever be able to live together in harmony? Tell me about regional variations. (laughs) Um, I was actually thinking, like, how, for the most part, at events and I'm saying big circuit events, I would say we are able to accomplish this very easily. There's a little bit of something for everyone that I've definitely noticed, you know, like everybody feels welcome and they feel like they're getting something out of an event. So with that said, I think it is possible. I think there is a lot of creativity out there. And I think there is a lot of potential out there. And I really like the idea that for the most part, my experiences with line dance in the greater scene, excluding the local bar drama, because that's a thing if you've ever danced at your local bar, um, I think that yes, it is very possible as long as we start to understand that not every song and not every dance is meant for every single person. And although you might not like it, look at the floor and see how many people are having fun and enjoying it. And remember that you're not the only one. You know, that's why we do this because there's a lot of people involved. I think... There is a lot of very strong opinions out there. I think there is a lot of valuable input with those strong opinions. But I also think that it's a very scary idea to be so stuck in your opinion that you're not willing to be open to considering others. And considering giving others a chance to shine or others a chance to express themselves and their creativity and their passions. And I think as line dancers, it's our responsibility to maintain the everyone is welcomed mentality because that is how we keep getting new people in. That is how we have fresh blood come up through the ranks and become the next superstar, the next amazing instructor, the next choreographer, the next world traveler dancer that gets to bridge all of these gaps then become an amazing line dance ambassador for everyone. And I think it's very, very important that we remember and respect that dance is a passion and a creativity and it is a individual's own journey and line dance just so happens to be one of those things that we get to do 
together. And I think that's just one of those things that I think is very possible as long as we start thinking of others. But I guess that could also be said about the major world, too. Uh, yeah, I think I mean, we're thinking of others. Empathy is huge. I, I think a lot could be helped by people really thinking about the other person and their interests as though you were that other person. When somebody else does something and you don't understand it or it inconveniences you in some way by making something harder for you to find or uh, other people's dances are being requested and played and you're not getting yours, like all of these things make you feel like there's you and there's the other, the other person who's the, the problem and what they want isn't as important as, it, as what you want. But if you look at it as not you winning and somebody else losing for your you know gain um, if you look at it as everybody winning then you can see that their happiness is is also possibly your happiness uh, if you if you imagine yes you know very complicated dances but you know if you imagine being that beginner who is so excited to do the one of three dances they know because they just started this a week or two ago and it's getting played. Yes, sure. You know it. You've been dancing it for however many years. And you don't want to dance it anymore. But you see how their face lights up because it's new for them. Really just dive into that experience and try to be them for a little bit just so you can understand why they want that so much and why they're getting such a kick out of it. Or, you know, when, when you are used to seeing a whole bunch of seasoned professional choreographers put out great work every year for decades and somebody is just starting out and they don't know what they're doing, but they're having a great time with it. Try to imagine what it's like to be that choreographer who's just having a ball, putting steps together, listening to all their favorite songs and try to experience their joy as opposed to maybe tilting it more toward your inconvenienced um, outside look. It might help, is what I think. That's, I think, the core of empathy is trying to see it from the other person's point of view, trying to feel what it is that they're feeling so that um, when they're happy, you can also be happy. <laughs> also, if you do see that there are problems in the community, that's great. I mean, it's like the... Um, <clears throat> The saying, you know, the optimist invents the airplane, the pessimist invents the parachute. <laughs> Somebody should have an eye on what can be fixed as long as you have a constructive solution. So, yes, there there is a possibility that problems can still exist in a world where we're all in harmony as long as those problems are addressed with possible solutions. Just kind of shouting, this is a problem, everyone's a problem, I don't like all the things that are going on, isn't going to fix the problem. But if you maybe try something, even if it doesn't work out, maybe somebody else will build on what you tried and then you won't have a problem anymore and somebody else will have fixed it. <clears throat> and I think there may have been a third thing that I was thinking along these lines. But that may have more or less covered it. Empathy's huge. Yeah, try to see things from the other person's point of view. Do you think it's possible? Do you think it's possible? Oh, right, that was the other thing. Okay, thank you. Um, I think it can be possible as long as we're not all forced into one camp or the other. If we all had to just go to the same events all the time 
and the playlist was just a balance of everybody's requests so that your request was one out of like, I don't know, 60 songs played that night. That could be hard. I wouldn't want everyone to have to live in harmony in that way. There should be another option for the advanced dancer or the beginner dancer or the person who, yeah, they know that difficulty of dances, but they come from another country where none of the dances overlap. I think the the, the um, ideal would be to have a core, as Dave Baycroft wisely suggested in a recent post, there should be a core of dances that we all know like Watermelon Crawl and Tush Push and Electric Slide, just some classics that unite us as line dancers. But it should also be possible for people to develop their own niches so that things like New Line and the Danish craziness can happen where they're getting super phrased and learning all kinds of, I don't know, tags and arm motions and things like that because they know that it's safe to do that there. They don't have to bring that to their local country bar and scare away all the first-timers. And the first-timers also don't have to you know, dominate entire events with what you might think of as the opener set. Um, you know, There can be a balance. There can be their time, then maybe they go to sleep, or maybe they just watch the rest of the night. And then the intermediates can come out and do all their classics and the uber-phrased things that only a handful of people know. There can be room for everyone. Uh, I think it's just important to let people, when when it doesn't work out, when you're all in the same room, let people have their own room that is just specialized for them. Because, yeah, as I mentioned, if we all try to share the pie, and no one's going to get full. All right. Number 152, what would your perfect bar look like? Well, it's a lot like the hotel question because we're in both worlds. Big floor... Smooth wood, um, maybe a sprung or floating floor so that we don't hurt our knees. Maybe some colored lights, but not always. You know, some people don't want it to look like a, a disco, as I think I've heard somebody describe before. Um, this is, of course, assuming there's line dancing at this bar. I mean, if it's a bar without line dance, what's well, the point of the bar? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Like that's the <laughs> assumption. It does say perfect in the question. Yeah. Maybe like a pool table just for like, I don't know, an alternative jigsaw puzzles. Uh, jigsaw puzzles on the pool table somehow. Uh, darts, I think, are unsafe. Uh, oh, and a smoothie bar. I, I don't think that the the potential has been tapped into yet of dancing and caffeine slash fruit smoothies. I think... You know, alcohol is is fine for some, and you know it's got its place. It's traditionally what you'd see at a, a country bar. But what if we had some kind of fusion of all of the green North Bay, Sonoma County, wheatgrass kind of stuff that we have, yerba mate teas, and also line dance? It doesn't have to just be country and you know street signs up on the walls and antlers and mechanical bulls. It can be our local California flavor with dancing. That would be nice. I'd like to see it. I was actually going to say, I believe that there's at least one episode, if not a two-parter, on our old archives where we discuss what our perfect dancing bar looks like. And I would almost be intrigued 
to somehow find a way to do commentary on that and find out if it's still accurate today, considering it had happened, what, like two years ago? Oh, December 14th of 2017. Qualities of an ideal line dance event. And then, oh, that's the... Oh, there it is. It was a three-part series. Oh, it's a three-part series. So we have December 13th of 2016. So a year earlier than that, it says Line Dance Podcast, qualities of an ideal line dance bar, 1 through 8, 9 through 16, and 17 through 24. Holy wowzers, there's 199 listens. Interesting. Well, <laughs> I definitely would love to go back and listen to those. And like I said, maybe do some extra co- uh, commentary on them to find out if we still agree. Because a lot can change since 2016 to 2019. So, yeah. Um, ultimately, Perfect Bar has line dancing. A great floor. Um, for me which I know we've definitely mentioned in those previous episodes, it's tucked away a little bit. So it's not like right on the street with the windows facing the street so that just anybody can walk in and a lot more space and just, I don't know. If I'm living in an, an ideal world because we're using the world the word perfect, people understand the idea of dance floor etiquette. And everybody gets at least one of their songs played. One. You know, something like that. And they have lessons and, you know, there's a little something for everyone. And I definitely agree with the smoothies and the caffeine and non-caffeinated drinks as options as opposed to just alcohol. Um, I would definitely still have alcohol, even though I don't personally like it or drink it as much. But I know how important it is when you hear the word bar. <laughs> it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, I don't know, stuff like that. One that I think did not get mentioned in the previous series of Ideal Bar is a bank of massage chairs, which I would then expand to an entire chill-out room. Like, maybe uh, not a separate and a completely separate space with a closed door, but more like a loft, where you can see everything, and you're still in the room technically, but you're a little away. You're on beanbag chairs and you're all just kind of chatting. The music is low enough that you can hear each other speak. Maybe you can even have video screens on the wall where you can video chat with people who are watching live what's being danced. They're like, oh, it's so great. You know, I wish I could be there, but I'm in Australia right now on this tour. And uh, then, you know, people can feel like the whole world is dancing with them. And some type of screen to let you know what the upcoming dances are because I love that at dance events. I think that is such a great attribute of the dance, uh, the events that I've been at because it allows people to do what they need to do in between certain things as opposed to worrying about missing one of their favorite dances. And it does get really, really fun when all of a sudden Louie or JP turns off the screen and then it's anybody's guess. All right. Any other thoughts before we go on to the next one? Number 153, what's the scariest non-horror movie? Oh, okay. So two things that, I mean, two non-horror things that can happen at events that are scary. One, when you stand up 
like maybe maybe uh, you you know you hunch over because you're kind of like whoo you're winded so you got your your arms on your thigh or your hands on your thighs and then you're like okay all right let's do this and then you stand up fully straight and you get dizzy that can be a scary feeling if you roll something if you roll an ankle that has happened to me and uh, you don't know when it's going to feel better that is very scary uh, when you get well okay now this isn't uh, this isn't exactly horror. This is more inconvenient. But when you get demagnetized out of your room at Vegas and you have to go all the way back down and get that fixed and then go all the way back up and hope it works. And also, if you're going to a line dance place somewhere far from home and you're at an, uh, a hotel and you get demagnetized and it's super sketchy at 3 a.m., <laughs> that's also, you know, a little, little uh, off-putting. I was going to say when you forget how the dance starts and you're out there for the demo. <laughs> Oop. Oop. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. That does happen. Yeah. And then like when you think you have it, but then it turns out you like double timed it and everyone else is going half time. You just have to like stand there and wait for them to catch up. Or when you just conveniently re-choreograph the dance there on the floor and just take out some counts. Yeah, that too. <laughs> you turn to a wall and realize no one else is turning with you. <laughs> It happens. It happens to everyone. Um, I wouldn't say horror. I would say unfortunate when your mind draws a blank as you're trying to teach a dance. Um, I have both been a victim of said circumstances and a witness of said circumstances. And I do have to say that the few times that I have been witness to it has prepared me for when I became victim to it, to being able to laugh it off and be like, yeah, it happens to everybody, as opposed to like, make a big deal about it. One that we've definitely experienced is um, just, I mean, flights in general, but especially when you have a connecting flight and your first one is so delayed that you don't think you're going to make it to the other one. And, and then you have to sprint from one end of the terminal to the opposite end and around a corner and then down the next terminal. Well, I was thinking like kind of building on what you were saying about demos, like when you have to demo a dance and you forget the steps. If you are taking one of these flights so that you can make it to demoing on time and you're not sure that that's going to happen. <laughs> That is very scary. A lot of, I mean, we, we don't do a whole lot of checked bags, but I imagine that uh, Fred has had some experiences that he would compare to horror movies, uh, especially like, you know, when you're on staff, the things that you pack are very important. Uh, or if you are, let's say, you know, Roy and Fiona and you have all of your music and, and videos on a laptop and then it disappears. Like these are things that can happen so quickly and your world just goes upside down. So uh, I'm, ha I'm happy that some of them, mo most of these have not happened to me, but there have definitely been sometimes. Oh, uh, and then that one bus ride that we took from SFO uh, late at night. I was really hoping no one was going to follow us off of the bus when we walked over to the car in the parking garage alone in the middle of the night. And there were definitely some contenders for, you know, uh, who would be wearing the hockey mask in that film. <laughs> yes, definitely that. I have learned from others' horror stories. 
to always have at least one change of clothes and my dance shoes in my carry-on on my person on the off chance that if I do end up ever checking a bag and it conveniently makes its own journey somewhere else, uh, that I will at least have one change of clothes and a pair of dance shoes. Also, waking up on time when you have a morning teach, um, it could be, I could see how it could be a scary non-horror experience if any of your alarms fail, if you do not hear them, if the time zone changes, if it's like daylight saving time all of a sudden and everything gets messed up and you miss your teach for whatever reason, that that could be awful. So, yeah, that that would be... That would be pretty scary. What's what's the scariest? Yeah, yeah. Especially if, if and this would be embarrassing, I think, more than scary. But if you are awake, if if you have like an afternoon teach and you're just wandering around, you think, oh well, I guess I'm done for the day, and you go like take someone else's teach, or you're chatting in the hallway, and then you realize you're scheduled to teach, and you need to go attend to the people standing around wondering what's going on. This has not happened to me. I hope it never does, but that would be pretty bad. Yeah, I definitely set multiple alarms when I have like early morning teaches, regardless of if I'm responsible or not on getting to bed on time. I I am so scared of missing a teach. So I definitely take extra precautions in doing so. And I even have friends call me and make sure my phone is on loud as well uh, so that when they do call me, it will wake me up. Oh, another scary thing that could happen in our particular line of work, if you want to call it that. Um, If you have like the interview of a lifetime that you know you're not going to get for another like several years, probably, if ever... And your batteries die. All your batteries are dead. You have no chargers, no adapters. And you you thought, well, because I have all my equipment with me, I don't need to bring any backups. I don't need to have like a phone or anything that's capable of recording whatsoever. That would be terrible. So backups of backups of backups. This is what we learned from Louis St. George in the first round of Lion Dance podcast interviews. He says cables, hard drives, laptops, everything should have a backup so that that doesn't happen. Or, for instance, when you need to send your competition music to the DJ and your laptop dies and then you have to find a cable of some sort and pray that somebody has a laptop cable accessible to you. Yes. Big shout out to Bradley. Uh <laughs> for the occasion when that actually occurred. (laughs) All right. Well, that's a really just scary question, I think. Uh, Number 154, what's the most amazing true story you've heard? Oh, I have an easy one. I was going to say Joe. That's exactly where I was going to go. I was going to go with Joe. Yeah. Yeah, hands down with her her battle that she had to go through and all of the things that she had to experience and for her to come through it and still be one of the most amazing and inspirationally positive individuals I have ever had the pleasure of meeting. I Yeah, I just, hands down, Joe. I would also say uh, Rachel coming back after having Mason recently 
she had said that she was just going to be pulling back for a bit and then would come back, you know, at some point. And that was, you know, scary to me because we had just found out about Rachel and this whole world and everyone else got to have her for like two decades. But here we were and like we're, yeah, showing up in time for her to have a baby. So uh, the fact that she has taken bookings back on and she's going to, I think, France and uh, Masters uh, in the coming year. And she's going to Vegas this year. Like, she is doing what she said. She she took some time away, but she is coming back. And here she is. That, for me, is just a, a, a very happy true story uh, that I have lived more so than heard. Yeah. Others? I can't think of anything right now. Joe really was the one who like popped up in my head and like that just I was like, oh nope, that's my answer. That's true. And they did say the most, not like the top seventeen or anything. All right, number one five five. What's the grossest food that you just can't get enough of? Oh boy, I could probably come up with something. What do you got? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say like grossest because. Oh, there was those, I can't remember what they're called, but Rebecca Lee let me try some type of fruit. Durian? Durian? Durian. Durian. She let me try some type of fruit, and she said people either love it or they hate it, and I absolutely loved it. I wanted more of it. So, I, I again, I don't remember what it was, but it happened like a year or two ago in Vegas. Yeah, it would have been, I think, like durian-based chips or durian something. something like, yeah, it was something like that. It was very interesting, and it was really good. I think mine would be canned sardines by Wild Planet uh, because they do them really well. There are some sardines I've had that are not so good, and they're, like, flabby and, and I don't know. Uh, when you pick <laughs> them up, they just kind of fall apart. Wild Planet has really good sardines. Uh, where it looks like an actual fish. Like if you were making a larger size fish at home, it would look like that, but small. It's still got the skin on. Uh, it's got all the fins taken off, though. And it's like a lump of real meat. Not like mashed up meat, like tuna, but like actual meat. So, uh, And then it's also in uh, the kind that I get is in olive oil. This was a recommendation from Tim Ferriss, who uh, has these, I think, every morning. Uh, let's see. So there's that straight out of the can. And also oysters and clams I enjoy. Smoked oysters and clams straight out of the can, which I think some people would consider gross, and they don't want that fishy smell or whatever. But, like, for me, it's just, like, these little nuggets of... Oh, uh, and along those lines, you know, with, like, little nuggets of meat, I haven't had this in a while because I've been avoiding uh, purchasing any kind of land animal uh, because of reasons and things uh, since, like, December. But when I would get my rotisserie chickens from Costco, a lot of people will just eat like the meat meat, the the chicken breast or the thigh or whatever. But I also like the um, innards portion because, <laughs> uh, I don't know, there's something especially flavorful about that. And that's how I got into eating liver as well. I, I, I enjoy liver because it reminds me of the chicken guts. See, I can't do liver because that's what my mom always made to feed the dogs for dog shows. <laughs> So I've just avoided that because I associate that with the dogs and that's what the dogs eat. So, but I can see that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, um, I, I don't know if like I can't get enough of it, 
for more so as just like it's a good quick solution but spaghetti was in a can oh yeah that's super tasty that's legit (laughs) i mean there's nothing gross about it. it's just cold yeah but a lot of people have weird get weird out because it's cold it's not cooked yeah i don't understand that like when when people say like you can't have it because it's room temperature or whatever but like it's not raw meat it's already cooked it just isn't warm and so like the the flavor doesn't really change it's like when people won't drink uh, like a, a room temperature juice or something, they say it has to be cold to taste good, and I just don't get that. Like, the, the flavor doesn't change. Maybe your reaction, I don't know. Anyway, uh, the thing that I was thinking of is when I eat something like a beef brisket or like a corned beef with just a lump, a strip of fat, and I will eat that fat for days. Like, I will take other people's fat after they've eaten the meat and uh, yeah, see, I see you making a face. And here it says, what's the grossest food that you just can't get enough of? And uh, yeah, the, the fat is like the best part for me. And I'm not one to like bacon or anything like that. But if it's just like juicy, almost like the consistency of meat, like a solid kind of a fat, then I'll eat that. Well, yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely had steaks where I've cut off that portion and given it to you because I can't personally handle handle it, but I know how much you enjoy it. I really do. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll move on to the next one for those of, out there with delicate constitutions. Number 156, what brand are you most loyal to? Ooh, I'm somewhere between Kirkland, which is Costco's uh, brand, and Trader Joe's. Oh, there's so many brands. Like I had to, I had to really think about this. So, electronics-wise, I'd have to say Samsung. I definitely am geared towards Samsung. I have for a very, 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 very long time. TVs, laptops, smartphones, smartwatches, headphones. Like I just really like the brand. Um, I'm not really brand picky when it comes to clothes. But I definitely tend to shop uh, at Target and Kohl's a lot for clothing. So I think I'd say I'm pretty loyal to those brands. Um, I'm an Amazon junkie. So Amazon is definitely my go-to for like when I really want to get something. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, as for food, I definitely enjoy Oliver's and Trader Joe's and I actually very much like Costco so I definitely am a big supporter of that as for line dance related if I'm going to say brands we're going to use this loosely I definitely support Rachel I am intrigued and definitely enjoy pushing my limits when it comes to Roy and Fiona. Um, I am certainly, certainly um, a huge, huge supporter of Fred, Madison, and Amy and Darren. Like, I, I love their dances and what they, all of these people, like what they stand for and like what dances they put out what music they pick generally i'm really really caught and i can connect to the music with what they choose uh for dance events 
Vegas for sure. I am a huge supporter of Vegas Dance Ex- Explosion. Like I, that was my first big event, and I just the idea of missing one is just heartbreaking. That we even stopped stopped over for two days before we flew to New York. <laughs> so um, that one is definitely nostalgic for me. I would also have to actually say uh, Pikes Peak. Pikes Peak is another one that I really just don't ever want to miss. I have such a good time. It's like a fun, goofy, quirky family reunion every time I show up. So that's that's certainly another thing. And as for just a human being in general, Joe. Like she I don't know how I mean, if you've listened to any of our other podcasts, you know the phrase what would Joe do? So it's it's certainly one of those that I consider a lot, and she's an excellent role model. So I guess those would be the brands that I uh, am most loyal to. A third one that occurred to me after Costco and Trader Joe's that I've been attached to at the hip oh. since, um, I don't know, early, mid-2000s, Google. Uh, <laughs> however, when I thought about it, like, if if there were a big parade being thrown, kind of like when we did uh, Northwest Line Dance Blast and people had to pick their color for whose camp they were in uh, to do this dance thing with uh, Fred, Simon, Niels, or Rachel. If I saw Costco, Trader Joe's, and Google all giving out shirts for their people or whatever, I think I would still have to go with Costco because Google as much as I like using their services, does not care about me. And Trader Joe's does well enough on its own, you know, but I, I feel like they could probably, you know, do just fine with or without me as well. But I am a Costco member. So, you know, my name is somewhere in their headquarters <laughs> with a little star next to it because I think I'm an executive member with a credit card through them. So uh, I help make Costco, really. And so uh, I have to be loyal to my people. I would say the only reason why this last one I didn't mention first was because for the last year, I have been caffeine free. So although I do still occasionally get the um, like some of the fruit smoothie or the hot chocolate I am not quite the devotee that I once was. I still consider it the mothership, but that would be Starbucks. I definitely know that if I'm going to go anywhere for coffee or hot chocolate or tea or anything like that, I'm going to go to Starbucks before I go to any of the other kind of cafe coffee chains. Here's a tough one that uh, just occurred to me a moment ago since we have it coming up in oh about 30 minutes. We are part of Wine Country Line Dance. We are also part of Country Quick Steppers and Boots and Buckles. And um, I have been a member of Sonoma State Line Dance Club <laughs> since 2012. So of those, I I know that I would have to go Sonoma State Line Dance Club all the way. Uh, and you know, you you've you've been involved in all of those as well. So that that would be a tricky one for you to jump around among as well. Yeah, I definitely love all of them for their own uniqueness. Um, oh, that that yeah, P- 
picking between Sonoma State Line Dance Club and Wine Country Line Dance, I think, would be the hardest thing, which is why, generally speaking, we don't schedule them to interfere with one another um, because I love Wine Country Line Dance. But there's something about teaching and dancing with the kids at Sonoma State that I just don't think I can get anywhere else. So I think I'd have to, if I had to pick my favorite kid, it would be Sonoma State Line Dance. Number 157. What's the most awkward thing that happens to you on a regular basis? Hmm. Um. Uh, well, the one that happened to me on the way out the door today was forgetting my keys, which I need to get into the car and to get back into the house when I come home. So that was, I mean, that's happened to me multiple times, actually. And I even have a special place where the keys go. So I went back in to pick those up. And then when I checked my other pocket, my phone wasn't there because I had put it in one of the pockets of one of the bags that I was carrying out the door. And I was all set. I had a full head of steam. I was ready to head out and, you know, get get our episode started. And then I realized I needed to take all this extra time to take two items and put them in the pockets where they needed to go. I don't know about awkward, but I'm definitely one who's always searching for my keys. Um, I've gotten better, but that's a very loose term. <laughs> um, awkward, awkward, awkward. Uh... Oh, hey, another one that happened to me today. Um, so I was talking with our activity dire- my activity director at Brookdale, which is now Cogier Retirement Solutions or something, and we were talking about maybe adding another line dance night. So I was thinking night, like, okay, night, what other nights would work? You know, we, we currently do Monday night, maybe like a Friday night or something like that. So then, um, you know, we're talking about it. She said, oh, let's just take a look at the budget. We'll see what we can do. Uh, maybe during the day, but uh, otherwise, you know, the Monday nights have been working out fine. I said, like, okay, cool. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. Then have a good night. It was 1 PM. <laughs> yeah. I've done that one a couple times. Um, I do laugh at myself when people say, um, like, oh, you too, kind of thing, when it's like, have a good rehearsal or have a good practice, and you're like, oh, yeah, you too, and you're like, that is not what I meant to say. I meant to say thank you. (laughs) That is what I meant to say. Um, But as for the most awkward thing that happens to me on a regular basis, uh, I don't know, again, I don't know if I would describe it as awkward, but... I definitely forget where I am in dances and I go into other dances. Uh, so I think that's a pretty common thing, though, but it definitely happens to me a lot. As well as I think I get awkward when I'm teaching something for the first time. I think I, I, I there's something that like takes over <laughs> and I become not me when I'm t- when I've taught teaching it for the first time and I rumble through things and I go at a silly fast pace or like I'll change tempos halfway through like that definitely become interesting when I've taught something for the first time which is why generally speaking I like to practice before I teach um yeah how would you say you respond when people want to take pictures with you at events or tell you that they've taught your dance and everyone loves it or you're such a beautiful dancer or you know they flew out because they wanted to make sure that they got to see you? How, how, does, how does that strike you? 
awkward. <laughs> I definitely get shy and goofy and blush and like really excited, but also like awkward because <laughs> I'm like me and it's very weird to think that I'm known outside my circle. It's very weird. Including on the podcast. Yeah, I don't know how many times. Oh, you're the girl from the podcast. Now I at least get, oh, you do the podcast. <laughs> I'm not the girl that does the podcast or the girl from the podcast. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's exciting. And uh, I definitely get bashful. I like this one. This one may take us to the end of the episode today. If you had to, this is question number 158. If you had to disappear and start a whole new life, what would you want your new life to look like? And keep in mind, the line dance community is worldwide. So if you start line dancing anywhere, someone will find out and then you will have failed to disappear. Right? That's what I was thinking. Because like, I used to, I had this one question that I had asked some friends a long time ago because I was randomly commuting to work when I had to commute. And it was, if you ever had to go to witness, into witness protection, here we go. There's English words. Um, and you had to leave everything you know and everyone you know behind. Would you be able to do it? And I really, at the time, had a hard time answering that because I was like, I don't know. I mean, I think I could because, like, here I am in this transition period of my life and I don't really have anything set. But now I'm, like, on a path. And I love my life. It's stressful. It's up and down. But I love my life. It is really good. So like disappearing would be very, very unfortunate. I think what I would have to do is disappear to a small little island or something like that in which I can just teach line dance on this island and just this island and not videotape anything or post anything on the internet or anything like that and try and keep it really, really undercover. But we would be dancing and we would be having fun. And yeah, I think that's where I would go. I think if if I had to completely resist the, the temptation to do line dance and be discovered, I would still want to do something with puzzles like programming. I've heard that you know, uh, programming is, is uh, just that world of programming is the best problem solving and, and uh, puzzle exercise you can make as like a regular part of your life. And there's always something new to learn with line dance. I find the same thing is true where there's always some new genre of music that people can discover and then start playing with. And there are new uh, rhythms of music that you're not as familiar with, like waltzes or nightclubs, cha-cha, sambas. And I think with programming, I could do something similar where I can be creative I can use my brain and build on previous knowledge and previous things that I've created to do new things in the future, just like how Rachel's probably developed uh, you know, twists on things because she's seen the other standard things so many times. Uh, I think that there is a healthy community of people who, who teach each other within programming so that would be something fun to surround myself with. Also, this part of the world um, is like famous for it, you know, Silicon Valley and all. But there are other pockets 
like Austin and I think Denver, um, places throughout the world where you can have similar folks in a similar mindset and it kind of feels like home. It's not quite the Bay Area. If I had to disappear from the Bay Area, then like I could still go somewhere like Seattle or whatever and Portland and find my kind of people. It would be hard to give up dance though. Um, so maybe I could integrate music somehow as long as I wasn't doing my usual, my standard repertoire of uh, senior classics. Yeah, so if I'm not allowed to dance for whatever reason, I'll, I'll pretend say like physically right now, um, I would definitely do something with computer designing, programming, coding, all that stuff. I would definitely lean towards that. If it wasn't a physical and I just really had to resist the urge, permitted I could get the education I needed, I would probably do something with like archaeological dig sites or something like that. Because that that has always interested me. And I've always like liked the idea of discovering that kind of thing. And so that would definitely be something in which... It's very far from what I do now. Well, in three minutes or less, we might be able to squeeze in this last one, which is just a, a quickie about uh, our geekdoms. What movie or book do you know the most quotes from? I would say Jurassic Park, since you mentioned archaeological digs. <laughs> oh, dear. I, books, I do not know. Um, movies slash TV shows, hands down. And it's funny because I just got a text message from my sister quoting something from the same TV show I'm about to mention would be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hands down, I use it the most. Um, it's one of those that I will message my sister a lot when I'm having certain moments and she'll be able to respond with something that in kind and totally be on the same wavelength as me. Um, Line dance wise, I think I can say Guyton's... Um Say, uh-huh, say maybe, uh, say no way. Uh, Fred with uh, eat and the way he pronounces eat and then a bunch of sound effects from Rachel and the way Rachel and Maddie say mambo. Yeah, there's definitely that. Um, I have certainly integrated uh, Joe's say yes. Um, I have also done the same thing, which I've... Um, kind of stolen for from Amy was the the congratulations you're now fluent in Amy or my case Megan um I'm trying to think of what else oh, along those lines Michael with uh kind of the way Michael speaks but like groovy like he'll <laughs> say something in a very like mellow way <laughs> yeah stuff like that um I I can hear I don't know if I could I would not be able to emulate but i could hear fred's little hee hee laugh for sure so yeah there's a there's a couple in those all right well we would like to thank you all once again for joining us here on line dance podcast with megan barcelia and christopher gonzalez i'm sure we will have many more of these questions to answer for you in the future but until next time we will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor, floor.